back coming to you from the middle of nowhere, uh, just east southeast of Tallahassee, I guess. We landed here uh, just the other day, and we're about to start our prison tour across the panhandle of Florida. We want to thank all of you that support Life on the Verge. If you're not sure who we are or what we do, you can go to lifeontheverge.com and learn more. Thank all of you who generously give to keep us out here. It just continues to blow our mind and, and, and helps us know that we are doing what God has called us to do because he provides for us to do it. He values uh, the inmates that we go to reach so much uh, that he moves on the hearts of people to keep us out here. So I'm going into part six of this series, The Risk of Art. I did three uh, probably a few months ago, and, and now this is the the third in a second segment of that series, four, five, and six over the past few weeks. I haven't did a podcast. I guess it's been at least maybe two weeks, and part of that is because we've had quite a bit of travel going on and maintenance, and oh, it's chaos. If You, you know, it's kind of like moving. You know, we're moving out of our house and into the RV, so everything has to be moved and everything has to be maintained. We had to do quite a bit of maintenance on the RV, and so on, but we're back, and uh, th- thank you for listening, I I, we, I can see uh, our listenership has gone up a little bit, and this has been a fairly popular um, series, I apologize, by the way, I'm, I'm speaking to you from our RV, so if the air kicks on, or you hear a dog bark, or you hear someone outside, it's, it's not quite the cozy little place I have at home, um, but this is part six of that series, The Risk of Art. And we've talked about how God is the creator. He's the only one that made everything out of nothing. We just use what he made to create new expressions. And, and that's what I refer to as art. God is an artist. I mean, look at creation. It's just mind-blowing. The things that he has given us, the ability to take what he created out of nothing and uh, put it together in new and exciting and inspirational ways. We're his offspring, so it should be inevitable that we would be creative. There'd be a creative edge to us. We'd be artists in some way. So we're going to take a look at a quote from Seth Godin's book, The Practice, Shipping Creative Work, which is a good good uh, read, by the way. Um, then we'll talk about art in the context of our faith. You know, how does it apply? You know, art isn't always this deep theological thing, or is it? You know, even giving a cup of cold water with the intent of bringing glory to God to someone that is thirsty uh, is quite theological. But how does the how does the Christian look at art as opposed to someone who maybe uh, doesn't walk with the Lord? Uh, let's look at this quote. I'm going to share one of my favorite Bible verses, by the way, later in this. I ran across it last night. I was like, man, I love that verse. Um, I'd say it's definitely one of my favorites. And I'm going to share that a little bit later on. Maybe it'll inspire you. But let's look at this quote from Seth Godin's book, The Practice, um, Shipping Creative Work. He says this, This is art, not painting, but the act of doing something that might not work because it's a generous thing to do. The combination of skill, craft, and point of view brings new light to old problems. So art isn't just music and painting and sculpture or writing. It is all of those things. But in the context of of this podcast, um, 
it's it's far more than that. It's it's when we put the pieces together and create new expressions, new ideas, whether it's in business or it's in you know in sports, for example. You know, you you might not think of a. Patrick Mahomes as an artist, if you know who he is, you might not be a football fan, but he's a rock star quarterback. But the way that he scrambles and the way that he passes the football is a little bit different than than the next guy. He's famous for scrambling in the pocket and throwing the ball sidearm around defenders. And it's, it's, it's it really is an art when you watch this guy do those things. And Patrick, I believe he professes to be a Christian, but he serves people with his art because it's a generous thing to do. And I would say uh, he was developing that skill and serving people long before he knew he'd be a superstar NFL quarterback. He may have had dreams, but he could see, I have a knack for this. I love this. It brings joy to me. And I'm going to put my spin on this thing called football, uh, more specifically quarterbacking. He is using his combination of skill, craft, and point of view to do things in a different way. And that's what we're talking about when we say art in the context of this podcast. Um, you, you could look at Roger Staubach, you you know good cowboy fans, um, uh, who basically invented the shotgun snap position in the NFL, I believe. He's the first one that stepped back away from the center and they referred to that as the shotgun. It was a new thing. It was a creative thing. It was an artistic thing. I know we're not all football fans, but the point is art isn't always music or painting, and it's not always going to have this uh, huge glow of theological light around it, okay? It's simply a good deed uh, done for others, a generous thing that we do. It might not work, but it's a combination of our skill, craft, and and ability, and an attempt to serve others, and for those of us as believers, to ultimately bring glory to God. You know, you don't have to be a Christian, obviously, to be successful at creating art. I mean, God put that in all of us. And so, you know, we we take songs, for example, that were written by people that I don't believe at all are believers in Jesus. They're not followers of Jesus, uh, members of the Eagles, as far as I know. But you should see the way that we use a song like Desperado in prison to share our testimony and how it captures the attention, how we've seen young ladies flood the altar in tears with their hands raised to Jesus playing Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. You know, we we do Waiting on the World to Change by John Mayer. We do a lot of original music, but we use this uh, these other creative things in a new way as a segue into our testimony and sharing the gospel. You get it. So, a little bit of a recap. Art is in our DNA. Art is a generous act. Art solves a problem. Now, it may be a big problem in business. You know, if if you work in the business world and you come up with a new creative, artistic way of doing something that, you know, makes the business more successful, moves the ball further down the field, or it might be as simple as we were uh, camping at a KOA in Virginia Beach. Uh, the folks there are believers. It's a great, great campground. And they had cut us a break financially a couple of times, especially early on when we were dead broke, uh, when we stayed down there to speak in some churches. And uh, finally, I was like, man, I, I want to kind of pay back a little bit of their generosity. And I don't really have the funds to do it. Um, they were giving us like half price or something. And 
and I noticed that they didn't have any live music. And so one time when we were there, as we were leaving, I handed a copy of our CD to somebody that was working there, and I said, hey, you know, we stay here at least once a year when we're down here doing ministry, and I, I see you don't have any live entertainment. Maybe we could, you know, bring some live entertainment to your folks. And so for the last, I guess, four years or so, We've, we've played a couple of Saturday nights every time that we're down there, and it's been a, a pretty good success. You know, people bring their lawn chairs out, and we play for a couple of hours. And, and uh, so that was our art solving a problem. So it can be a simple thing. It could be a complex thing. Art is a risk. It's always a risk to put your, uh, you know, your creative stuff out there. You know, is it going to be celebrated? Is it going to be mocked? It's a risk. Uh, it takes courage. And so the reason that we often don't ship our art, which is a phrase I also lifted from Seth Godin, he's been using for years, and that is putting your art out there for public consumption. The reason that we don't do it, we don't take the risk, is we're fearful. We don't want to experience the pain of rejection or failure, but those are key elements on the path forward. Crawling and stumbling are part of the progression toward running and jumping. Failure is proof that you tried. And if you tried, you're already successful. Now, for the Christian, art is an act of faith. In other words, trust that if I am faithful to serve others with the intent of glorifying God, I'm already successful regardless of how far my influence may reach. We don't control outcomes like that. God does. We just have to be faithful. We have to be good stewards. Art is an act of stewardship, isn't it? God gives us certain talents, abilities, skills, opportunities. Look at Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. And there is an expectation that we would put those things to work to serve others and to glorify God. For the Christian, art is an act of obedience, it's generously putting our skills, crafts, and point of view to work to serve others. It's an expected response to God's grace. Now that Bible verse I wanted to share with you, uh, Luke 17, 10. So when you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, quote, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty, end quote. Man, I love that verse because sometimes we can think that, man, I've done so much. I'm so entitled. Nope. <laughs> we just do uh, become good stewards of what God has given us, what he commanded us to do. And when it's said and done, we realize we are still uh, in need of a Savior. We're still in need of grace. We've only done what was expected of us. It reminds me of a key command that Christ gave us in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its savor, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they set it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our art, our combination of skill, craft, and point of view. That's a, that's a you know, Seth Godin said that in his quote, our point of view. In other words, your spin on it. 
So our art, our combination of skill, craft, and point of view is the way we bring salt and light to this messed up world. And man, is it a messed up world. And we can see it all over the place. And sometimes we can either feel we can get the helpless syndrome, like what's the use, or we can get the hero syndrome where we think we got to solve it all. No, we just got to be stewards, good stewards of what God has given us the opportunity to do, what he's put in our hands. So our art is the way that we let our light shine before men. Our art is the good deeds that people see. Our creative solutions to problems um, is the, our combination of skills and craft and point of view. Um, that's the way that we show people good deeds. We shine the light on everyone, for everyone to see, everyone in our world anyway. Art is a contribution that we make in Christ's name that will keep shining even after we've gone to heaven. Look, I know this is a fact. Our best art is going to take the most work, the most time, and the most risk. Therefore, the most faith. And that is the currency of heaven. That's what pleases the Lord is when we exercise faith. That word faith in the Bible, in the Greek, is trust. It shows that we trust him. When we, as one uh, preacher has said, actually wrote a book called Do It Afraid. When we do it afraid, because we know it's the right thing to do. This is what God has given me the opportunity to do. I should do this uh, as I have ability, opportunity, and time, even if I am afraid. I have to tell you a story about uh, fear and overcoming fear. And I probably have talked to this about this before, but it just is uncanny how God will bring confirmation many, many years later. And um, I was a police officer, a detective, and I was working in forensics, um, seeing just murder and mayhem every day. And I wanted to do something more. And I got involved in a local church and, and I was mopping the floor after youth. I've, I've told you this story before. And from that, someone learned I played guitar. And, and then someone learned I handed a tape to someone of a song I wrote, having no intention to ever sing publicly. I just wanted to be a kind of back row songwriter guy that gave songs to other people to sing. Uh, that guy told somebody else. And the next thing you know, I'm asked to sing in church. And I was given the opportunity, our youth group used to do, um, like there'd always be a special song of some sort in the service. And so it was pitched to me, hey, why don't you do a song at such and such a week? Man, it scared the daylights out of me, but I knew what song I wanted to do. Um, it was a song called Desert Rose by the band Whiteheart. And uh, man, I practiced that song. Oh my God, I had an hour commute back and forth to work. And I must have sang that song a hundred times. I was scared to death. Part of that is because I didn't want to be rejected. I wanted to be celebrated. I wanted to do a good job. Now, fear could have kept me from ever doing that. It could have kept my, my abilities, my talents, my skills in the bedroom. But God had given me an opportunity to step out and do something. And of course, I was making it a lot about me, you know, how I come across. And I want to be celebrated and not ridiculed. Um, finally I got up and, and I did this song. I mean, I was scared spitless. I, I was just nervous as all get out. There's not even a lead guitar in that song, I don't think, but I played my guitar and played a lead at the end of it, partly because I needed my guitar as a security blanket. <laughs> I felt so naked up there. There's nobody but me in this soundtrack. There's no band. There's nobody. If it goes off the rail, 
there's nobody to blame but me. Now, even if I would have crashed and burned, it would have been part of the process. I would have considered myself in the end successful. I might have shied away for a while, but then I stepped out and did it. I knew I had to do this. Well, it turned out to be a, a great success, and it led to more and more opportunity and really where we are today. And now these many years later, my son has been uh, tremendously successful in, in you know with his music endeavors. He's making a good living off of it. He lives outside of Nashville in Brentwood, and one of his very, very best friends uh, that he's developed over the years, he's toured with this guy's band, and they live like five minutes from each other. They hang out all the time. This guy is the son of Billy Smiley, who wrote or co-wrote uh, the song Desert Rose. He was one of the primary songwriters for the band White Heart. And uh, just last September, October, we were in Nashville and stopped by Billy's studio. That is just crazy to me how God just brings these little fingerprints in. Uh, and so I just encourage you to do it afraid. Don't let the fear of man keep you from sh uh, shipping your art, seizing the opportunities that God puts in front of you. Uh, you know, I, I've got a verse. Oh, once you've come to terms, I'm going to read this. Once you've come to terms with the fact that things of this world can disappear in a moment and you make the decision to live your life in sweet abandon in order to do the things that will bring you the most joy and God the most glory... Once you have the attitude of Paul in Philippians 3, who says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have done all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Once you've completely surrendered yourself to Jesus and the opportunities he presents to you, and you're not working just to, you know, uh, get things of this world. You, you, you've realized that all that really is rubbish. It's nice to have. But the most important thing is that you're doing the thing God made you to do. Once you've come to terms with that and give yourself fully to shipping your art, putting your creative ideas out there, making a difference as a generous act toward others and to bring glory to God, you can expect that God will take care of the miracles of how far your art or creativity reaches or the difference it makes. But our goal is to identify the art that is in us. Now that may take work and experimenting. It may take the input of others as it did in the case with my first opportunity to sing a solo public. Somebody else had to come to me and say, man, you got an okay voice. Well, they said you got a good voice, to be honest. And I'd never heard those words. And, and that input helped push me. Now, you got to put yourself in environments where you know there are people that will do that. A lot of people these days have kind of given up on church. And I say, my goodness. Well, that's an absolutely foolish thing to do. Why would you... Uh, isolate yourself from the people that could call out your gifts and abilities. Um, and that's not just true of, of churches. Now, I know people today, people are backing out of churches for, you know, what looks like good reasons because there's a failure in the leadership. Maybe you follow the Hillsong uh, fiasco and what's going on with them. And uh, there's been a special on Discovery Plus. I watched it. I had to because 
uh, man, I used to work with a Hillsong offshoot, and uh, matter of fact, those that follow the Carl Lentz saga, for example, I worked right up, my office was right next door to Carl's for about four years. I took several trips around the country with him. Uh, well, only a couple. Um, and, and I knew Carl, and, uh, and you know, he failed, you know, if you're not familiar with that. Uh, well, I've failed a lot of times, too, but for whatever reason, in, in God's, you know, because of God's grace, my stuff wasn't exposed to the world, you know, um, and, you know, maybe not in the same way, but I've sinned. And so the point is churches are messed up because all of us are messed up. We all need God's grace. And there's a process by which discipline works and how we sort things out. But to simply, you know, take your ball and go home and isolate yourself away from other believers is just not smart at all. The church has always been jacked up. Read 1 Corinthians, some of the crazy stuff that was going on in the Corinthian church. Uh, we're all struggling. We're all flesh creatures. We all have temptations and you know evil desires. Our flesh is in constant battle with our spirit. So in summary, maybe I'll talk more about that idea of, of how we approach church these days, but putting yourself around other believers that have a spiritual mindset, that have the mind of Christ, that have the anointing, even if their flesh can be messed up, that's where your gifts can be called out. That can help you identify how you're to use your gifts, and not just church. For example, I've got a friend, his name is uh, John, and John, he just blows my mind. He's like my age, I think. He's about 58, probably, maybe older, a couple years, maybe younger, a couple years. But he is a beast athlete at his age. He mountain bikes. I think if I go out and mountain bike for 10 miles, man, I have done it. Or not mountain bike. I ride a, I ride a hybrid bike on the street. And I think, man, I've, I've really made some progress. He goes out and knocks out a 50-miler like nothing, you know, a couple times a week. Uh, he does these races. He just won first place in a race. Now, if I was... Now, he's a believer. But even if he wasn't... Well, as a believer... He's part of a team of other mountain bikers uh, who can inspire him and propel him, whether they're Christians or not. So putting yourself in an environment, taking the risk. You know, when we first moved to the city of Richmond, I got up the nerve to start going out and playing at these open mics and blues jams with guys that were un, un, undeniably, some of them were just <laughs> hedonistic, you know. But I didn't know. I didn't know their spiritual life. I, I, and I was a pastor, but I, I was like, I got to ship this art. I got to get out here with this gift and I got to put myself in this environment. And, you know, it's in those environments that you grow, that you find validation and you start to identify, I've got a knack for something. And uh, those things get called out of us. So that work of identifying our gifts, it's part of our, our, our duty that God's uh, given us to do is to identify those skills and gifts. You know, there is a proverb uh, that says, uh, matter of fact, let me look it up. Hold on one second. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. That's Proverbs 25, 2. So identifying our gifts is part of, I believe, one of our goals, and that may take a lot of work and experimenting and the input of others to do. And then another one of our goals is to be good stewards of that creativity, to ship it, to put it out there for public reception or ridicule. And that's where perseverance comes in. You know, your art is likely to face some ridicule. You are likely to fail and fall down in front of other people. Man, we do not like that. I hate that, by the way. Um, but it, if we don't do that, we'll never truly develop our gifts and our abilities. Uh, your art may make you want to give up. 
don't. You may need to take a reprieve. You may need to take a retreat. You may need to take a little bit of sabbatical from it, but then get back out there and start swinging again. Keep creating. Keep pitching your ideas out there. <laughs> There's that famous thing that talks about you know, Thomas Edison finding a thousand ways not to make a light bulb before he finally did it. I mean, that's I don't know how true that is, and I probably just messed that illustration up. But the point is, we keep swinging. We keep putting it out there. We, keep, we analyze. We analyze the feedback from other people, from what's the art that we've shipped. Uh, we, and then we try to do it better. Too often, we think of success in the terms of numbers. Uh, but Christ would have done what he did for one, for just you or just me. You know, um, I recently got a, a Facebook message from a young man that was in my youth group all the way back in 1995, 6, 7, something like that. So where we were almost 25 years or so uh, since then, now he's seen a lot of life. And back then, the question that I was asking was, where will these young people be 10 years from now, 20 years from now? I realized, you see, we... We brought um, a youth ministry that was a little different. It, it was we combined our skills and abilities and our point of view to create something that was very music centric. For example, uh, when we first got to this particular church, our first position in youth ministry, we put together a band of pretty adequate musicians in the church that had a heart for youth. And we started. This is when the Newsboys and DC Talk and you know those those uh, Audio Adrenaline they were they were a big thing, you know. We decorated the whole youth room with that stuff. We went to their concerts and we created a band that played that music. And then we used young people to do sound and do lights and do some drama stuff to the music that we played. And we gave them free music lessons if they would come out to our rehearsals and they'd be part of a, a, what we called Audio Impact. That was the name of the, the band. And then one guy coined the phrase, he said it, audio should stand for ambassadors under discipleship in operation. You know, and that went on for a couple of years. But we brought a new spin on things, which caused us to reach kids that might not come to a typical, hey, let's just sit down and read the Bible youth group. And it became more of a youth outreach. But this young man contacted me on Facebook 25 years later and just went on and on. He's been communicating with me about how he's been suicidal. There's been times when he just wanted to give up, but he thought about, you know, what happened in youth group. He, and he just reminisced, thought about something I said. And, and God let me see that little bit of fruit. Now, we ministered to hundreds of kids, but God, let me see. And there's been a couple of others that have come back. And I've, I have seen the fruit. You know, God kind of made a promise, I felt. There was a prophecy, actually, that somebody wrote on a piece of paper and handed to me right before we left into full-time ministry that said, God's going to provide everything you need even down to the potato chips, which is crazy because we ran a snack bar and one of the students' parents worked for Lance, the chip distributor, and they gave us potato chips to sell in their snack bar, which is just wild. But the other promise was that we were going to see dozens and dozens of tiny acorns become strong oaks. And that's all we had to run on. And we've seen some of that, but sometimes God does not let us see the impact of our art, our creative ideas, uh, our specific point of view, the way that we are spin on things. He doesn't let us see the fruit of that because he's protecting us from pride. You know, he protects us from pride, maybe by not letting us see our impact for years or maybe not ever in this life. 
We just need to be faithful, good stewards, and have after done all this work and persevered and maybe faced embarrassment and failure, our attitude has got to be, I'm still really an unworthy servant without the grace of God and have only done what was expected of me, what it says in Luke 17, verse 10. Look, shipping our art is the way that we plant seeds of the kingdom, and it takes time for those seeds to grow. That said, many of those seeds will fall on stony or thorny ground and never take root, but we don't know. We don't control the outcomes. We don't control the miracles. We're simply called to be good stewards of our art, and that doesn't just mean creating, uh, whether it is music or whether it is painting or writing or creative business solutions and or creative marriage solutions or whatever your thing may be that you feel like I've got a knack for this. Maybe somebody's, you've identified it. And again, that can take some work. But once you've done it, then our goal is simply to scatter that seed. Be good stewards of the creative gifts and ideas that God has given us and leave the results to God. I hope you got something out of this series. You know, I love studying on this topic. I mean, I do it in part as it's a generous thing to do. It's a right thing to do. It's somewhat of an artistic thing to do. I do it for you, and I do it for me to remind myself. That's right, man. You know, when I want to sit down and lick my wounds, you know, uh, man, this has been hard. We're struggling, and I want to compare my outcomes with somebody else's outcomes in life. So when I get in a rut like that to remind myself, look, God's expectation, I'm not saved because I put my art out there. It's It just should be a natural expression. God, in Ephesians 2.10, uh, we're God's masterpiece. God created works in advance for us to do. Don't you want to walk in those works? One of my big, One of my biggest fears in life is to feel like Man, I went to the amusement park called Life, and I, di- I paid the price of admission, but I didn't ride all the rides. And I kind of look at life that way. Man, I've, I've poured out my, my soul trying to make a difference in this life, and uh, one of the biggest fears is that I don't fulfill my potential, the things that God, I miss out on the things that God had planned for me. And undoubtedly, we're all going to miss out on some things uh, because, you know, our sinful flesh gets in the way and, and that, but our goal should be, you know what, I want to live with as few regrets as possible. I want to be poured out like a drink offering, Paul said. I want to just lay it all out there and make the difference that uh, I can make. And again, I may never see it in this life, But just know that when I close my eyes for the last time, uh, I tried. I tried, and and not that I should receive any special accolades, though the the word promises great rewards for those those of us that are faithful. Um, My attitude should be, I've only done what was expected. The master entrusted me, and I simply put it to work. And uh, I may be rewarded, but my attitude should be, I'm an unworthy servant without the grace of God and have only done what was expected. Bless you. Have a great week. Hopefully we'll be back next week. We'll be in and out of prisons. It's going to be pretty hectic. Please pray for us. We've got a new couple coming along with us for a couple of dates this month and then several dates next month. We're really excited about that. I'm excited to tell you more about that. Helping them uh, get out there and ship their art to the inmate population. Bless you. Later. 
I want to remind you that we're a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. You can hear more of our music at theplunders.com or on any streaming service.